0: Go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, verse 13. And as you're turning there, let me just set up what's going on in chapter 24 already. So at the beginning of chapter 24, the women who were with Jesus this whole time, they go to the tomb and they find it empty and then they go back and they tell the apostles, and the apostles don't believe the women, so Peter, being the guy that he is, decides to run to the tomb and discovers, oh yeah, it's empty. Almost like they just told him it was empty. And if you'll remember from our time talking about Peter's trials just a little bit ago, this really emotional time for Peter, right? The last time he had seen Jesus, he had denied him. He had refused to even have been associated with With him, He actually had taken vows that he didn't know him. So we see that all of that's wrapped up, and and then we're sort of left on a cliffhanger, right? So Peter shows up, notices empty, and then all of a sudden in verse 13, we're not actually anywhere near the tomb at that moment. It it says, as, as we pick it up right here, that we're actually following two disciples. And I'll tell you right before we read it, this is hands down my favorite passage in Luke. Just gonna let you know, it's hands down my favorite passage, and I think you'll see why. But one of the reasons is the uh, they call it dramatic irony in it, and it's the thought that like you know Jesus knows who he is, and we as the readers we know who he is, but the whole passage they don't know who he is, and uh, so it's this little it's this really cool like inside thing as we read it. But anyway, I'm nerding out of it. Let's get into it. So verse thirteen, I'm gonna read the entire passage. So follow along with me. That very day, so the day that he was resurrected, that very day, two of them were about uh, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. It's a really long passage, but all of it's important tonight. I guess all of it's important all the time, right? But tonight for this message, it's really important. So I told you that the the message, uh, the title is He's Not Done. So let's go ahead and see why he's not done. And here's the first point. He's not done because he still has questions to ask. Jesus' ministry is not over. His time on the earth is not even over because he still has some questions to ask. And one of the things that we highlighted in this entire series was Jesus' way of asking questions to expose what? He was asking questions time and time again to expose the heart of those that he was talking to and to reveal the wrong thinking that they had. Here's just two examples. If you remember Luke 14.3, Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees after like, having a whole debate on the, the Sabbath as they were sort of watching him, and he asked them, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Like, he asked this question, and they remained silent. Luke 18.41 what do you want me to do, Jesus says. And he asked that to a man that was literally begging, Lord, have mercy on me and heal me. But Jesus still asked the question for the man to answer, Lord, let me recover my sight. That's just a couple couple spots for you, just to remind you that Jesus asks questions even when he already knows the answer. Jesus asks questions because of what it says about the person he's talking to way more than it says about Jesus. He asked questions to turn the focus back on that person and reveal what's going on. And like I said, their heart and their mind. We saw that he did that before his death time and time again. And here in this passage, we see that's what he's doing now. So let's let's look together. What are some of the questions that Jesus asked here? If you look at verse 17, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad so he asked them that question verse 19 and he said to them what things what 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 things are going on in jerusalem and they said jesus and nazareth you know the man that was a prophet mighty indeed like guys he's asking these questions but he knows the answer duh right we know he knows what happened in jerusalem three days ago we know that he knows there's an empty tomb because he's the one that walked out of it we know that he knows the answer because even before he died, he was able to tell people what they were thinking. Remember that? The times he was able to turn to somebody and tell them what they were thinking and prophesy about what was going to happen before it ever did. So Jesus is asking these questions to answers that he already knows. And why is he doing it? He said it twice already. Say it a third time to expose hearts and to reveal incorrect thinking. To expose hearts. Revealing correct thinking. That's what he does to these disciples. He asks questions because he wants to reveal that doubt that is in their heart and the lack of understanding they have about it. Look look back at it here. And, and he said to them, What things? And, and what did they say in response to him? They said concerning Jesus of Nazareth. And then what do they call him? A man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. So, yes, like this is, this is one of those yes and no statements, right? Like, yes. He was a prophet, but that's not all he was. Like, that's just part of who he was. And these people were his disciples. So, like, clearly what we see here is that they do not have a lack. They have a lack of understanding of who he is. Because if you know Jesus, is the first thing you're going to call him a prophet? No. What did Peter call him? The Messiah. The living Christ. The Son of God. Like, that's his defining characteristic. Like, it's Christmas season, right? And what did we just sing about time and time again? The fact that the Son of God came to earth, God in flesh. Jesus taught them that, and yet they are not explaining that to this stranger on the road. Clearly, that's not the most important thing to them. So they have a lack of understanding of who he is, but it's more than just that. Look at verse 21 there. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. So this is them saying, look at there, it's a past tense, we had hoped, as in, they no longer have hope, as if they had given up. So Jesus is asking this question to not only reveal that lack of understanding about who he was, but also to reveal the heart of doubt that was in them. They doubted that they should have hope. They doubted that he had been risen and had walked out of that tomb, which clearly they had. They doubted the women, right? The the disciples initially doubted the women in that passage. And I love that Jesus is doing this here because it shows us that even after the cross, he is still asking questions to penetrate the hearts and minds of his disciples. And what does this mean for you? It means that he's still asking you questions. He's still speaking to you. That's his character. That's his way as a teacher, as a shepherd. He's still revealing doubts that are in our hearts. He's still revealing the ways that we misunderstand him. Like, and how does he do that? How does he do that? He does it through the church. He does it through his people. He does it through his word. He does it through the spirit. So what is Jesus asking you? That's the point of application. Like what is he asking you? Where are there areas in your life that you doubt him, that you do not place your hope in him? Where are areas in your life that you misunderstand him? I want to encourage you tonight to just ask him yourself Lord what do I not understand what do I not know Lord reveal to me places that I doubt and I say this because I really I would love for you at the end of this gospel of Luke to take advantage of the fact that you have a savior who's willing to do this He's willing to expose the things that are amiss in your heart and mind. He wants to reveal those things because, like, praise God, like, you not only have a Savior that wants to do that, but you have a Savior who will patiently teach you the answer to those questions. He will patiently forgive you in your doubt and lack of hope in Him. And that brings us to our second point tonight. Like, Jesus wasn't done because He still has things to teach, He still has questions to ask here and he still has things to teach. Like he is teaching these disciples things. So what does he teach them? Let's look back at the passage again. And he said to them, this is verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning, this is the teaching, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures concerning himself. So what? Did he teach? He taught them who the scriptures said he was. These verses are another reason why this passage is just one of my favorite passages in the Bible, and definitely my favorite passage in the the Gospel of Luke. Because, like, can you just like just like put yourself there for a minute? Okay, like walking alongside Jesus, and Jesus essentially, like, let's walk and let's talk, and let me literally do a Bible study with you. This isn't one of those moments where Jesus is is preaching. It's not the Sermon on the Mount. It's not him uh, rebuking the Pharisees. This is an intimate moment in the Gospel of Luke where he's walking with two people that claim to follow him, and he's just explaining. One of the things we see here is after the cross, there's nothing hidden to them. There's nothing they have to wait on anymore. There's no cloud of mystery and shroud. There's no vague prophecies anymore. It's just Jesus, who they don't even know it's him yet, walking alongside them and revealing to them who he is. I mean, they didn't have, they didn't have Bibles back then. Right, It's not like they were just like carrying it in their bag, pulled it out, and then started talking about it in their individual copies of Scripture. So like you can imagine Jesus is walking down the road, no Bible, no Scriptures, because those resided in synagogues and, and temples. And, and you got to imagine, he's like, do you remember that time? Do you remember that time when Isaiah talked about the root of Jesse, that he would be born in Bethlehem? Do you remember that time that he said that he would be the son of David? Yeah, that was me. Of course, they don't know he's Jesus, right? So he's like, that was Jesus. He was, the one, he was born in Bethlehem. He was going to be the one to save them. Or, hey, do you remember in Psalm 22, like this is 22, verse 14, it says, I'm poured out like water, all my, bo- all my bones are out of joint, my heart is like wax, it's melted within my breast, my strength is dried up, my tongue sticks to my jaws, dogs encompass me, evildoers encircle me. Hey, do you remember that part in Psalm 22 that David says, they pierced my hands and feet, that they gloat over me, that they divide my garments among them and cast them floss. Do you remember all of that that seemed so confusing in Psalm 22? That was Jesus. The man that you followed, that was actually him. And you know, you know that, that when the people of Israel were, were dying, they were traveling through the desert after leaving Egypt. Remember that time Moses hung a bronze snake on a stick and everybody who looked at it was saved and healed and everybody who didn't would die? Yeah, that snake represented Jesus, the one that died three days ago. Remember Moses? Remember how he said to sacrifice those lambs in the temple for sins, for God's people to atone for them? That was Jesus. Jesus was that lamb. You guys can imagine all these things started to click for them things that we know like we take this for granted but these are things that Jesus had to teach them hey now that the son of God has died here's all the things that this means here's all the things that you should know and you can imagine it's like how he was connecting all these dots and they walked for seven miles you want to have an idea how long it takes to walk seven miles with two other people beside you I meant to look this up and I didn't but Just start thinking through that. Like, how long would it take for me to walk seven miles with somebody to a village? Like, that's how long they got to talk to him about this, right? So what's the point of all this? This is getting really loud out there, isn't it? Right, does anyone else can, yeah, sorry. Jesus wants them, he wants to teach them what God commands and he wants to teach them through his word and he wants to use God's word to eliminate the doubt in their heart and correct the ways that they were misunderstanding him. So he asked the question, right? Asked the question to reveal what was going on in the heart, reveal what was going on in the mind, and then he uses God's word and the scriptures to correct what's going on in their heart and their mind. And they even say it, right? Look back at verse 32. What did they say was going on when he was teaching them? They say, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opens to us the scriptures like they're literally saying like my heart burned within me as he explained these things as he corrected my thinking as he renewed my hope this is what he did Jesus isn't done because he still had questions to ask he still had things to teach and most importantly He still had lives to save. Jesus still has lives to save in this. So on top of them asking these questions and him teaching them lessons, like, why is Christ there? What's what's the purpose? Like, why include this story Why would Jesus transport himself from the tomb and then all of a sudden be on this road and spend that much time walking with these two disciples and then to sit down to dinner with them and break bread with them? Like, what is the purpose of this besides just like teaching them things? It's to save them. Look back at verse 30. Verse 30 says, when he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Now go back to verse 35, just a little bit more ahead. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. So Jesus hid himself from them, right? It says that, that they did not recognize him. He hid himself from them He asked the questions that he desired. He taught them what scripture revealed to them. And then what does he do? He opened their eyes fully to see him and fully to believe in him. And how does he do that? Through the symbol of the breaking of bread, which if you're new to church, like the breaking of bread, that represents the last supper, At the last meal that Christ had with his disciples before he died, he broke the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. And it says that they were disciples. They would have known that this has happened. So somehow, some way, the way that Christ sat down with these two disciples and he broke the bread immediately revealed to them that he was talking about himself. That he was the bread that was broken, that he was the one he had just taught them about, that he was the one that died for them. And what does it say in the text? What language does it use? It says, they came to recognize him and they came to know him, to see him for who he truly was, to see him for what he had done. Like, is this not just like a beautiful representation of salvation. It's a beautiful representation that first, like our heart and doubt must be exposed for what it is. Like we need to see our doubt and our misunderstanding of who Jesus is. And then we see that scripture, whether it's read or it's preached, tells us about who Christ is and then we come to fully recognize Christ when we look upon his body and when we understand what he did for us that he died for us like you can't get a stronger representation of the gospel and how people come to know it than that and what does this show us that shows us that Christ wasn't done at the cross like yeah the work of atonement That was finished. He even said it. It is finished and then he dies. Like that work had been accomplished but there was still kingdom work that needed to be done. There's still kingdom work on earth that needs to be done until he returns again. So Christ, after the cross, he's not done. And I think we've seen that in this passage so far. We saw what he needed to do. And if you keep on reading like, like we're gonna hit Easter soon, right? And after we hit Easter, I wanna encourage you guys, there's 40 more days that Jesus is on the earth before he ascends. Like next next Easter as we we come up to it in just a few months, I'd highly encourage you not only in Easter, but after Easter, study what he did after the cross and before he ascended. Like that's what we're studying right now. And, And we see there's so much work that needs to be done. But at the end of the day, What's our application from this? What's the challenge for you right now? Like, you know that Jesus had work to be done, right? Like, you can see that. So how does this relate? And why is it in the Scriptures for the Lord to speak to you besides just mental understanding? I believe there's a huge reason for this passage being where it is. And I'd like to point out to you by just reminding you of the last words Christ spoke before he left. It's sort of ironic that we're going to end the Gospel of Luke by being in the Gospel of Matthew, and yet it's poetic because the Gospel of Luke serves to help us understand deeper all that Christ did throughout all the other Gospels. So I put it on the screen here. I want you to see it as I read it, and I want you to put in place the timeline here That Jesus had died on the cross. He was buried for three days. He was risen to life. He spent 40 days teaching his disciples just like he did here, appearing to them, equipping them, telling them things to do, encouraging them, giving them hope. And at the end of those 40 days, this is the scene we come up to. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now I told you that right here is our application point. And it's actually three application points. Three things I want to tell you tonight that is in God's word and three things that I I would love if we left in any of this. If we left after sitting through 24 messages in the Gospel of Luke, that's how many we've preached, right? One for each chapter. Whether you've been here this whole time and you've heard all 24, whether you've been here just this semester and you've heard just 12, the thing I would love for you to leave with are these three points. Because these three points change the world. Christ not only had work to do, but he gave us work to do. I think you're gonna know what the three points are, right? The three points are, we still have questions to ask. We still have things to teach. And we still have lives to save. That's what Jesus told us in the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, you see that, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Guys, what kind of questions did Jesus ask? I said it like three times already, right? What kind of questions did he ask? He asked questions that exposed hearts and revealed misunderstanding of who he was. And now that charge has been given to us. He has told us to tell the world who he is, to follow after him, to be disciples of Christ, and to ask the questions of people around us to expose their misunderstanding of who he is, to expose what they think about him, to expose the heart that they do not have or that they do have. For him. And it, and he gave us not only the mission of being in relationship enough to ask those questions with people, but he gave us that mission to also teach them. It says it right there, right? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Like that has now been given to us. Like we still have questions to ask and we still have things to teach. That's our job now is to not only be in people's lives in a way that we can ask them the questions to reveal what they think about Christ, but then we can teach them who Christ is. We can teach him what he commanded. We can teach him what he desired. And what's the first part of that statement? Make disciples of all nations baptizing them. Guys, you don't get baptized unless you believe. That's how it works. You come to faith, you believe in Christ, and then you're baptized. Christ can't tell us to baptize the nations unless that also means that we bring them to know Christ that we show them who he is. So when I say, like, we still have lives to save, I don't mean that the power is in us. I don't mean that we cause their salvation. I mean that it's our duty to let them know that Christ saves them. It's our duty to preach it to the nations, to go out there for and make disciples and baptize them and teach them all that God has commanded. Like, we have those questions asked, we have those things to teach, and we have work to be done And that's what this ministry has been built on. And that's what this ministry needs to continue to be built on. We just spent 24 nights in the gospel of Luke. And guys, it will be for nothing if we don't go out and share it. It will be for nothing if we sit here on a Thursday night in our pretty church And don't share the gospel with the world. The gospel doesn't stop in us. It goes through us to the next person. Christ didn't just die, raise, and then ascend. He died, he was raised, and then he spent 40 days telling us what to do about it. And we need to do that, and so... The encouragement for tonight and the point of application is if, as you read Christ on the road to Emmaus, to take up that challenge. Some of you are going home to your families for Christmas. What amazing opportunities to share Christ! What amazing, I mean, we're talking about asking questions, right? What better time to ask questions about who Jesus is than one of the only times. In America, that we all think about Christ and his birth. How easy to ask somebody what they think about Christ and the birth. To ask them the questions that reveal their hearts and reveal their minds. For a better way to be in a relationship to teach. And to do the work of seeing Christ save lives. And also it's an encouragement that many of you are going to leave. This is our last official teaching night for the semester. But you're going to be back. You have friends that are not here tonight. You have people you know that you've never had a conversation with about Jesus. And I want to press into you tonight. Change that. Don't just sit here in your own salvation and hoard it to yourself. I want to encourage you to share it with those around you. I would love to see more people come here, not to increase our numbers, but just as physical proof that we're sharing the gospel with people and they're coming to faith. Just as evidence that we're serious about what we do here. And if not this church, then other churches. But just share the gospel. Remember, you have questions to ask, things to teach, lives to save. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for who you are. Jesus, thank you for your death on the cross. Thank you for conquering death after those three days, Lord. Thank you for being raised that we may be raised alongside you. And Lord, thank you for your graciousness to continue to teach us even after you have already accomplished the work. Thank you for your graciousness and love and patience towards us to, to teach your disciples who had been with you the entire time still who you were and to remind them once again what you had taught. Thank you for all those things. Lord, I ask that you help us to take this seriously. And I praise you once again for all that you wrote in the Gospel of Luke. Father, help us to cherish the time that we spent over the last couple of years in this Gospel. And would you bless our time as we dive into our series next semester. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.